0: Well, this afternoon, uh, we are going to be continuing um, in our walk through the book of Hebrews. Uh, we're going to be continuing uh, with part 12 of this particular section, holding on to the greater than. Um, after today, I have planned out two more messages for this section uh, or mapped them out. We'll see how it works out. But I've mapped out two more messages for this section. Um, so this has been a very uh, in my own study, in my own time, it's been a very um, challenging study for me. This section, and uh, edifying to me in my own study, I pray it's been um, edifying and challenging to you in our walk in Christ. So let us hear from Hebrews chapter 11 once again. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old receive their commendation. because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, and reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful, who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descending, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the heads of the staff. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commanded through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this, your holy word. Would you plant it deep within us and make it it ever more real to us? Help us that we might believe your word. and We ask you would guide each of us into, into the truths each of us need to hear. And would you rest upon the preacher? May he declare your word faithfully and accurately and understandably, being changed through the truth of your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. One thing that we've seen in our walk through the Hall of Faith is we've seen a number of different um, aspects of what it is to walk by faith and why it is that uh, sacrifices were accepted and why it is people did certain things and how it is people endured, even though uh, conventional wisdom would tell us tell them, you know, why just, you know, follow another path. Uh, Follow a path of lesser resistance, so to speak, but it was by faith because they had visible to them the things that were invisible, not because they could see him with these eyes, but they were present to their faith, that which they hoped for. They had the assurance because by faith they had that. Their need for endurance was found by resting in and upon the God who makes promises and the God who keeps promises. And as we'll see again, all of these people of whom we're speaking died in faith, even though in terms of this age and this life, they did not see the things that were promised, yet they endured. We've been seeing how much more for us who have were who on the other side of things, not seeing things shadowy and veiled, but seeing things having occurred should rest in God's provision and in God's care. Last time we looked at Moses in our Hall of Faith, uh, one of them, as we mentioned, one of the most significant features, uh, figures of the Old Testament narrative. Most everything uh, from the Pentateuch forward is keyed to Moses because much of the old, uh, narratives of the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, revolve around Israel in their national identity post-exile and everything everything points back or post-exodus everything points back to that event even after their exile they're called upon to remember God's faithfulness uh, in the exodus various different signs and symbols had been given to them imagery in the psalms Point to the events of the Exodus, like Psalm 97 of the fiery mountain, the shaking mountain, and no doubt refers to the shaking and fiery of Mount Sinai when God was giving the law. We saw that Moses was born in a time when uh, he was supposed to be killed. As an edict had gone out from Pharaoh to kill all of the boys born to Israel, but by faith he was hidden for three months by his parents. They believed that God had a, a purpose for delivering and, and would deliver his people, and they believed that Moses would be rescued. By faith, Moses himself refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter. That is, he gave up all the various different riches and the pleasures of sin that came alongside alongside that of turning away from the God of his people and turning to the gods of Egypt. And he gave up those riches in order to gain that which was only attainable by faith. And then by faith, he forsook Egypt. He left Egypt. And then he came back once again to leave by faith because God had spoken to him. And then by faith, he kept the Passover. God had given him the command to pass on to Israel that the on the night in which Pharaoh uh, in which Pharaoh had promised that he was going to kill the firstborn of Israel. God said, I'm going to turn it upon him this on this night. And so follow these instructions, keeping the Passover And sacrificing a lamb and putting the blood on the doorposts. Such that that blood cries out to the angel of death as it passes by. Not this one. Not this one. It pleads the case. It was by faith. and Lo and behold. Death did come to Pharaoh's household and all of Egypt. But those under the lamb, under the blood of the lamb were spared. Thus pointing to Christ who is the fulfillment of that lamb. Who is the lamb that is being pointed to. So by faith, they looked upon Christ because of what the Lamb pointed to. The Lamb pointed to him. And now today we move to the events not only of Moses. And while we could have put this first part of today's section uh, with the previous week, there's actually a change in subject. In each one of those, by faith, Moses, by faith, Moses, by faith, Moses. Now it switches by faith, they. They. It switches, it switches the subject to not just Moses, but those crossing the sea by faith. They cross the sea and we're entering into the climax of the Exodus, as well as the events that follow it in its immediate after in the in the aftermath of the 40 years in the wilderness. After their time of crossing the Red Sea and at Mount Sinai, we remember Israel had complained too much, and God said, you're stuck in the wilderness now for 40 years. This generation shall pass. And so we have today Moses and the people of God crossing the dry land as the sea was split. And then we also have the events um, of Joshua, of the crashing of Jericho's wall, and of Rahab and her rescue from the impending destruction. First of all, we see that by faith, the people crossed the sea on dry land. If we remember the story right, Israel had gone out from Pharaoh. They had been sent to go. And Pharaoh sent his army after Israel to chase them because he realized they weren't going to be coming back. And so he chased them. And the Lord protected them. But then they got to the Red Sea. And Pharaoh's army is coming upon them and the chariots and the horses. You think of the Psalms where it says, uh, some trust in chariots, some some trust in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. I have no doubt has reference also to that that event. So they come to the shore of the Red Sea and there's nowhere to go. I mean, they could probably try to go around it, but that wouldn't be fast enough because Pharaoh would no doubt catch to them. They are caught between an ocean and a hard place with nowhere to go. Think of also at the Red Sea. They encounter the Red Sea, the imagery of the sea. When we read the scriptures and we see the imagery of the sea, it's not always a calming, tame thing. In fact, fact, frequently it's not. I may enjoy, uh, I, I like to, and I'm sure some of you like to as well, to enjoy going to Windjammer Park or over to West Beach and sitting and watching the water on a calm day. Just like watching the water, usually with a nice book to read. But then there's also days in which there's it's cloudy and there's windy and those waters actually look quite scary. Even scarier than I grew up on the Texas coast, you know, with the Gulf of Mexico, even scarier than almost scarier than a rough day there. But those waters, you think what would happen if those I were caught up in those waters or if we are over Deception Pass Bridge. And taking the harrowing leap of walking on that bridge, and then um, and then looking over when there happens to be at peak tide interchange. That's some very scary water. Water is a, is a scary thing in the scriptures, like the ocean and the seas. But what happened when, what what happened in this event is that the sea was tamed. By faith, the sea was tamed. God commanded Moses to go and hold uh, and to do his staff and the, sea, and, the, uh, and the sea split and there was dry land. The Red Sea was parted and, Is- and he commanded the people walk across and they did. And so by faith, they were able to pass through this sea unharmed. Now, imagine this event. The sea has parted. And you're walking on this dry land and you look to your left and you look to your right and there's a giant wall of water. Even though you're on dry land, that is probably not exactly from a conventional wisdom perspective, the most comforting thing. Because all it would take is for all of a sudden that water to go crashing in. But they crossed because they believed because God had made a promise. Now, of course, there are plenty of those in Israel, as we'll see in following events, who uh, most likely didn't really believe, but they followed the crowd. And they wanted rescue, and they saw this as the way of rescue. But by faith, they crossed the sea as on dry land. The sea which could absolutely destroy them. So by faith, they passed through that which could destroy them. And with us by faith, we pass through that which can destroy us, at least can do so according to this world. And as far as the eye can see, it might destroy us in terms of what of uh, uh, what uh, conventional wisdom says and what we can see. But we pass through unharmed according to God's faithfulness and according to his eternal promises. We pass through unharmed. By faith in Christ, we remain unharmed. So by faith, they passed as on dry land. They were able to see because God had made a promise and God keeps promises. And they were able to see that which was not visible to the human eye. That there there is a salvation coming to them. John Chrysostom in the 4th century, that's the 300s, he said, Do you see that everywhere faith goes beyond human reasonings and weakness and lowliness? Do you see that at the same time they both believed and feared punishment, both in the blood on the doors and in the Red Sea? And he made it clear that it, was really wa- that it was really water through those that fell into it and were choked. He made it clear that it was not a mere appearance. That didn't just appear to happen, it actually happened. Because when Egypt tried to go through, what happened to them? The water came crashing down upon them. There have been attempts throughout the ages, even by Bible-believing Christians to minimize the event of the parting of the Red Sea, some well-meaning believers, in order to try to make this account more palatable to um, an unbelieving audience who can't fathom the idea of a sea splitting, will say it wasn't really the Red Sea, it was the the Reed Sea, which is a shallow water, and they happened upon it right when a, a, a typical wind would come and basically just make it become a really super low tide. And we're able to cross that way. And they're trying to defend the scripture. But in reality, they're undermining the miraculous nature of what God is doing. And undermining this truth by faith. They saw these things. By faith, they saw these things. We must accept the fact that God God can do things outside of what we consider reasonable. Normal. But by faith, they crossed. They believed God's promise. On the converse, however, what happened to the Egyptians, as we just mentioned? They were drowned by the sea. So think of this that which was a vehicle or a means of salvation for Israel, what was it for the Egyptians? It was a means of judgment, it was a means of destruction. They attempted to pass through this sea, not passing through it on the basis of the righteousness that is by faith. Remember, without faith, it is impossible to please God. They simply saw, hey, they did this, so I'm going to do it. But they did not have the righteousness that is by faith and thus were drowned. They didn't rest in and upon the Lord. Rather, they were trying to destroy the Lord's people. They were trying to imitate the things that they saw. We actually see several accounts in the book of Acts of people who tried to um, imitate things that they saw. People we might like to call to say in a modern parlance that were posers. Those who saw demons being casted out by uh, Paul in the name of Jesus and saying, I, I uh, and going, I cast you out in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches and demon responses. Now, Jesus, I know and Paul, I know. But who are you? Why? Because they did not have faith. By faith, they passed apart from faith. There is no redemption. so one can do all the things that Christians do. But if not for faith. There is no redemption. It's one reason why I am very protective of the word Christian. To call something Christian means that it has something to do with faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Not just some sort of a of a generic ethic so we see that the same things that became the, the cause of salvation for the Jews and their glory became destruction for Egypt and so we see that by faith the exodus saw its completion Of being rescued from Egypt. And I find it interesting. That the author then skips immediately to Joshua. It doesn't go through anything that happened in the wilderness. Um, But now in the next verse. In verse 30 of chapter 11. He says by faith the walls of Jericho fell down. After they had been encircled for seven days. Remember Israel had spent 40 uh, had spent a whole generation, 40 years in the wilderness. And now Moses has passed the baton to Joshua, and Joshua has been given the, given the command, conquer the land that has been set before you. Immediately we go into chapter 2 and they send spies into Jericho to see what's going, to see what's there. Let's place ourselves in Israel's shoes. Israel at this point in time is a traveling band of nomadic peoples. Probably not a giant band. In fact, it's a new generation of people. May, not, may, have, been in the, may have been in the thousands, may have been in the tens of thousands, but it was not a gigantic group of people they were in a place of strategic disadvantage from human standpoint a place of weakness according to the naked eye probably not a strong band to be feared yet by faith the wall fell remember that which occurred they were told go to the wall wait 7 days and they encircled the wall, waited seven days. And the seventh day, the trumpet blew. And the wall fell down. And Jericho was theirs for the taking. And they were commanded to destroy everything and everybody. They were commanded to wipe out Jericho and to leave nothing. By faith, the wall fell. What is it that they believed? Once again, they believed that God said he would do something, and they knew that God keeps his promises. Unlike us, they demonstrated his history and saw his history of keeping promises. This was something that was done completely contrary to what we would typically expect. It was not by any sort of natural order of events or any law of nature that this happened. It was all contrary to conventional wisdom. But it had been spoken again and again that they ought to trust in the future hopes that God had promised. And were accomplished by means of God's faithfulness. And so thus by faith, the wall fell by faith. They found their salvation, which was in the form of the destruction. And in this case, the destruction of the enemy and getting the, and getting the city for which they were after in terms of human understanding. A wall was standing between them and this city. Think about militarily speaking, strategically, they had, Jericho had, so to speak, the high ground. The one who is in a place of high ground has the st- strategic advantage, typically. And furthermore, they had a big wall. And if Israel is to get it, get past, they would have to go through that wall. And of course, there's only one, well, there's probably limited entry points, which means that if they try to storm the entry Um, then they can just simply pick them off one by one as they try to come in. So that wall has to go. So they waited for seven days for something that they had no reason to believe by conventional wisdom would happen. It probably also looked a little bit odd. They're surrounding and walking around the wall. Think of it in terms of ourselves, that which stands against between us and that for which we hope is nothing compared to what Christ has accomplished on our behalf and what he is doing and what he will do. We wait for that which we don't see, even when, by all accounts, according to what conventional wisdom people around us, even our own minds are telling us that we should give up. So we wait, we endure. How? By faith, by trusting in God's promises. Think of the wall by faith, which separated us from God. It fell. By faith, by the act of Christ, the wall that separated us from the inner holy of holies fell. That curtain split in two from top to bottom. That wall fell, that wall that we could not bridge, that we could not cross. Or if you're familiar with navigators. Navigators. That chasm that needed a bridge. That bridge has been built. Because by faith, we can see that for which we hope, even though it's not visible to the naked eye. By faith, our sin is done away with. That which we could not take care of by ourselves, that which we could not remove by ourselves, has been done away with on account of and by the work of Jesus Christ. And by faith, we're united to that. So by faith, that wall has fallen. They believe God's promise, and thus we're united. To his salvation. And so us by, by faith we're united. We, we believe God's promise and are united to his work. And then we have in verse 31 the next event. By faith Rahab that's Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who perished because she gave a friendly welcome to the spies. We can see the uh, um, saga of Rahab in Joshua chapter two and again in Joshua chapter six. Israel had sent spies into Jericho in order to uh, feel out what was going what what things were like in there. But they had been discovered. In verse 2 of chapter 2, it says, And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight. Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And, he, and she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know what they were, where they were from. And then we saw and then if you keep reading, it says that she uh, made an agreement that when they she believed God, she believed what was going to happen. And she let them out and said, please spare my house and spare these people said, well, hang this rope that this red, this scarlet rope out the scarlet cord and we'll know to leave this house alone. And in Joshua chapter six, we see that happen. She hid them. They did not see them. And we've seen that in stories like that where Um, especially in stories, for instance, during World War Two of uh, during uh, the Holocaust of people hiding Jews or other folks who were uh, being hunted down by uh, Hitler and his folks. They would um, hide people and they would say, we had reports that these people are here. Well, you can search and see they're not here, only to know that they were hidden in secret places. So Rahab through an act of deception, actually did something righteous. In that she did that which was of a greater good. But by faith she did this. Because we see in verse 10 of chapter 2 of Joshua, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sihon and Og, whom you whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you for the Lord, your God. He is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. And she said now. Now, then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have kindly dealt with you, you also will do kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And then they said, absolutely. they, They told her a number of different things that no death will come to you. As long as you don't, as long as you uh, do not tell this business of ours. But if you do tell the business of ours, then it's uh, the deal's off. Well, everyone else, and, and in chapter six, we see that it came to pass. While everyone else in Jericho was killed, Rahab and those in her house were spared. Now think about Rahab. How is Rahab described Immediately that we have that in chapter two, she's described as a prostitute, as a harlot. That is not typically someone that we would think of as a hero of the faith, would we? You'd actually typically hear that and say, this is someone who's to be scorned. But here she believed the report of God's doings with Israel with regards to Egypt and during the time in the wilderness, they heard the reports, and she said, "This is true. these are the people their God is god i 'm going to believe him and so she believed him and believed the report. ancient literature from uh, the Canaanite tribes that is found does speak in a few in a few times around this generally time of a nomadic tribe of people who were uh, raising So to speak around the countryside of Canaan that were known as the Ivory in the dialects, roughly close to the Hebrews, the Ivory. But she's been and and she is regarded here as having been rescued and saved from the judgment impending upon Jericho. And how was it again? But by faith, she rested upon the good word of God that had come to her through reports and through the spies She rested upon God's good word and believed it. And so because she believed the word by a faith that had been given to her, she was rescued. Furthermore, she demonstrated by the sign of the covenant that had been made that she believed the sign of that covenant that had been given was a scarlet cord. Now, that scarlet cord was most likely... The Jericho equivalent of what folks in Amsterdam damn know as the red light. In Amsterdam, uh, the beha- the activity that Rahab, from which she made her living, uh, is legal. And when one is available, they turn on the red light. That means you can go. And so it would be known that you hang the red cord, hang out the cord. It was available, most likely a red cord. Is most likely a sign of disrepute. But here it became a sign and seal of redemption. A cord that authenticated the covenant. A cord that, that the spies went back and say, when we get there and we go in, there's going to be this house. There's going to be a red cord hanging from this one window. Don't touch that house. For this person rescued us, this person hit us, this person believes the word. This person is one of us, even though she's a Gentile, even though she's a Canaanite, even though she's a harlot, which no doubt, based on the the record that we have, she turned from her harlotry. We'll talk about that in a moment. But is that not also true of the cross? A thing that is of disrepute became the means of salvation for the people of God. The cross we uh, we ha- have crosses that we look at and we look, that, look at them as a look at it as a sign of comfort in the ancient Roman world. that was not a sign of comfort that was the equivalent of looking at a gurney with three different lines going to it in a prison that is not a comforting sight that's a that is a sight that is saying this is something that is bad and not good but yet that dis- thing of disrepute became for uh, us the means of salvation for us so this scarlet cord just like the pascal lamb is a type of the blood and sufferings of Christ in that it testifies of one who believes that it testifies, don't touch this one. Just like the blood po- placed over the doorposts. You may have heard of the idea of the scarlet thread that runs through the Bible. That there's a scarlet thread that runs through the Bible and scarlet thread is the blood of Christ. It actually comes from this passage of scripture in Joshua chapter two. So the, so the cord cried out. Just like that blood on the doorposts, not this one. This one is to be rescued from the judgment for this one has been justified and is not to fall under just judgment. So the cross does for us. The cross cries out, not this one. I'm not alone in seeing this in the scarlet thread and the scarlet thread that runs through the Bible. Um, I went to the Criswell College in Dallas, W.A. Criswell, in one of his first sermons at First Baptist Church of Dallas, he preached a all-night-long sermon on the scarlet thread of the Bible. R.C. Sproul wrote a little booklet on, the scarlet, on, on Rahab's scarlet thread. Charles Spurgeon spoke of the scarlet thread that testifies of Christ in this. We also see the fruit that Rahab's faith bore. James chapter 2, verse 25, speaks of Rahab just as it speaks of Abraham. James chapter 2 is a passage that, uh, because of James chapter 2, Martin Luther wanted to uh, throw James out of the New Testament, um, in part because he misread it early on, but he eventually changed his position. But James chapter 2 gives us some difficulty. And that we believe, as Paul says, that we're justified by faith apart from works. And then then James goes on to say, You say you say you, you one is not justified by faith, but one is justified by works. And he speaks of Abraham. And he says <clears throat> And the scripture scriptures fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness. Who's called a friend of God? You see that a person is not justified is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. He opens up first of all, in that passage by saying, <clears throat> "What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works?" And then verse 18, but someone will say you have faith and I have and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. And furthermore, when he says that we are not justified, we are not justified by faith alone, but by works, it should read this way. We are not justified only by faith, but also by. By works, meaning that he's speaking of a different kind of justification here that is justifying the claim to faith, the ju- justifying our claim to faith. All genuine faith will bear fruit. And the same way also In the same way Rahab. <clears throat> her faith bore fruit and that fruit was born of this. Saving the spies. Her faith bore fruit such that, and and it could be said, it was evident that she had faith. By her faith, as another fruit, she became a channel of salvation for others. By her faith, those whom she brought into her house were saved. Not only the spies, but also her father and her mother and her brothers and her sisters and all their households were saved. By her faith, she became an agent of salvation for others, for the red court testified of the grace of God. That's in Christ Jesus. But furthermore, by faith, by her faith, one of the fruits of set, one of her fruits is that you and I believe the gospel. Not because of her example, but because Rahab was in the lineage of Jesus. Rahab was Boaz's mother. We see that in Matthew chapter 1 verse 25. Salmon salmon it's probably pronounced Salmon in the Hebrew but the fish is pronounced Salmon. Leave the L out of the word Salmon when you're speaking of the fish. But <laughs> Salmon begat Boaz by Rahab. Salmon begat Boaz by Rahab, meaning that Salmon married Rahab and took her as his wife, meaning she was no longer a harlot. But also, not only was she Boaz's mother, Boaz married Ruth, another Gentile, from whom the lineage of Jesus lies. So Ruth is um Ruth is we, we Ruth is Rahab's daughter-in-law. So think of this. Without Rahab's faith, we wouldn't have the lineage. Without that lineage, we don't have Jesus. Without that Jesus, we don't have salvation. So by Rahab's faith, Messiah was brought into the world. Furthermore, she has, that means Jesus has Gentile blood in him. Which means he came as a Savior, not just for Jews, but also for Gentiles. Furthermore, by her faith, she proclaimed the salvation that is in Christ. Remember the red rope, that red rope, that salvation was proclaimed. Another church father, Gregory of Elvira. Not to be confused with the song from the 80s. Gregory of Elvira, Rahab, who is a type of church, suspended the scarlet thread from her window as a sign of salvation to show that the nations would be saved through the Lord's passion. The house of Rahab and all those who were saved through the scarlet sign when Jericho was destroyed and burned and its king, a type of devil slain. So when this world is destroyed by fire and the devil who now has dominion over the world is overthrown, no one will be preserved for eternal salvation if that one is not found inside the house which is marked with the scarlet sign. That is with the blood of Christ. She proclaimed the blood of Christ. And by that rope, because she proclaimed the blood of Christ, the gospel was proclaimed through a Gentile harlot. A Gentile former harlot as well. But think of it as this as well. Brothers and sisters, you and I were Rahab. You and I were Rahab. We may not have been, at least in terms of profession, a harlot. But you and I were Rahab. Another ancient writer says the soul of every one of us was that harlot when we lived in the desires of lusts of the flesh. But our souls received the messengers of Jesus, the angels whom he has sent before his face to prepare his ways. You and I were the harlot. But by faith. We have been saved from God's judgment and you and I having been the harlot also have a red red rope that's been given to us. We must show each other that red rope. The cross of Jesus Christ. And encourage one another in that truth and we must share that red rope that red cord that is the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and say all who come to this. Shall avoid the judgment that is coming, for there is judgment that is coming, so brothers and sisters, you and I have a need to endure, and that need is faith, and we see that by faith, Israel was rescued from the uh, through the waters, by faith, that wall fell, that which separates us from our goal, from their goal fell, and that which has separated us from God has fallen, and by faith, Rahab and her household were rescued. And so, brothers and sisters, and you and I were Rahab. And so, brothers and sisters, let us to continue to believe the gospel, remembering God has made God the God who makes promises, keeps his promises. And we know that because he sent Jesus, his son. And so let us, like Rahab, believe. Let us, like Joshua, believe. Let us, like those in the Exodus, believe. Father, thank you for the goodness that you've shown us in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father, that by faith we see that which is unseeable. May you grow us, O Father, in the grace and knowledge of Christ to walk in him all the more. We pray these things, our Father, in Jesus' name, amen.